Welcome to PostBurnout.com interviews. My name is Aaron Kavanagh and I'm the website's founder and editor-in-chief. PostBurnout.com is a culture website dedicated to venerating burnt-out artists the world over. Our interviews are mainly recorded to be transcribed, but every now and again we release the audio in a series we call PostBurnout.com interviews. If you enjoy what we do, be sure to subscribe. In this edition of PostBurnout.com interviews, we speak with the members of the Galway indie rock band The Rosecaps. Calling in the day after performing at Riverfest, they discuss performing in secondary school, going from being a school band to playing pubs to being a nationwide touring band, playing festivals such as Independence and Sea Sessions, how they adapted during the COVID-19 pandemic, their sound which marries shimmering guitar with melancholic lyrics, doing PR for themselves, playing live versus recording, and more. Um, yeah, so I guess like uh, the first thing I'll just ask simply is just about uh, the foundation of the band, like how you guys kind of formed, and um, I guess in general, like what was like what was the sort of music you were listening to when um, you kind of wanted to become a musician in general? What what kind of made you want to become a musician? So yeah, so we all kind of became musicians uh, separately in our own rights, and. Um, we didn't start the band till quite late in 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 secondary school, mm-hmm. um, so we were actually friends before anything else, and we were in the same music class in secondary school. Yeah, and uh, that's when we started playing music together for the first time because what we had to do was we had to um, <clears throat> create these every month. We had to perform in music class, like mm-hmm. uh, just to get us ready for our practical. Um, yeah. And we said, you know, we were just kind of instead of the three of us doing it individually, we just said, ah, would we just do one piece together and just kind of make it easier that way? So then we started doing, like, we started playing and just covers together and, uh, you know, adding harmonies and stuff like that. But that that was the first time we actually started playing music together. And then we thought, okay, well, this is, this sounds pretty good. Like we could probably take this to, uh, to a pub or something like that, you know? And that's kind of what we did. Um, We started playing in pubs then, like cover gigs just around the town to uh to make a bit of money but um back in the day like i don't know what i, I would have been listening to like um a lot of arctic monkeys back then and uh kind of the killers and the beatles and stuff like that yeah and i know um i know yeah. emma oh are the lads here now yeah i just joined now yeah oh brilliant yeah i know emma for a fact was a big oasis fan uh before you know and uh shane was a big fan of the killers <laughs> as well so um, that's kind of the music we were listening to at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's how it all started really, just through music class. And then we took that to the pubs and we started doing covers. But we very soon kind of realised that we we wanted to write our own songs. So that that's how it all started anyways. Yeah, and actually, um, how old would you have been roughly like um, uh, when you formed them? Oh, I suppose, I don't know, officially... Um, what age were we? Oh, here. When we started gigging, is it? Yeah, just when the band started in general, I guess. We were, we were, you two were seventeen. I remember I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was in, it was in April. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just said we'd just do a cover gig and see how it went. And then we did a few of them during uh, secondary school, and then COVID hit. But then was it? Did we? When did we play the Crush then? Was that before? That was COVID? after COVID. That was yeah. That was like was it first year or second year of college or something? But yeah, we we, we yeah, were yeah. only 16, 17 
when we started writing music, uh, we weren't even a leaving cert at the time when we started writing yeah. our own songs. Yeah. Well, so would you have been like uh, over 18 then by the time you guys actually started gigging or were you uh, trying to get gigs like while also being underage? No, we were yeah. doing, I remember we were, we were definitely underage doing our first few gigs before COVID because there was a whole, yeah. there were, like, you know, the bar, <laughs> the bar staff would be like, all right, make sure your friends are there was a lot of that like and we sure emma was only 16 yeah, Jeez, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah i think when we started doing the original gigs though i feel like we were all we were all, we were all over 18 because it was kind yeah. of after covid and yeah um yeah so we, we started getting the original gigs when we were a bit older yeah but uh yeah so when it came to the um project then like you guys were only really starting and then COVID hit and um, yeah so what did you guys do during COVID then? So did we release? Yeah we so recorded. COVID hit we were in college first year college and uh, it was kind of halfway through first year college is when we released our first project it was an EP uh, with a single as well mm-hmm. so that was the first thing we did like original music wise but before that I remember uh we were still trying to navigate COVID by doing like um, we would record covers and put them up on our Instagram and stuff. And that kind of grew our social media a bit. Like mm-hmm. Shane, I remember Shane did a thing like um, we, when we, we were all in our own rooms and we recorded the tracks like, you know, and Shane put them together with the videos and, you know, you know, that kind of crack, like just virtual yeah. kind of gigging together at the same time. And they, those went down quite well as well. So. We were just trying to grow our social media, I think, through COVID was the main thing, without the gigs. Mm. Yeah. We wrote a song, actually, over the phone at one stage, showing COVID as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we kept, we kept writing. Actually, that was one thing we did. We set ourselves these challenges, sure, um, to write songs over COVID, like using different words and just, you know, different themes and stuff like that. So we, we, we kept ourselves writing songs even when we couldn't write them together. We were doing our own stuff individually. And when we came back from COVID, we finally got to play them together again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so you guys kind of just like really hit the ground rolling then. So it seems like there was really no, once the band kind of, um, once the band kind of formed, I mean, it seems like you guys were continuous, like even during COVID, everything, there there kind of hasn't been a break. Um, do you find like that kind of hard work is starting to pay off or? Yeah. yeah, I feel like we did an awful lot of hard work there now in the last year, even just because we took the year out of college. Yeah. Um. So, like, just in the last year, I think we've we've really put the heads down, and that has seemed to be that has been paying off, kind of, because we've gotten the festival slots and stuff like that. So, we have seen that. Um. But you know, the work we've put in is kind of paying off. Yeah, I'd say one thing we did definitely did was write a lot. Between September and December, we built up a good um, catalogue of songs and we're kind of focused on it a little bit less now, kind of just um, trying to gig more. But we do have writing sessions, but it's it's probably not as um, hectic as it was from September to December, I'd say. Yeah, we, we, we kind of, we put it on ourselves. Like we made, it was kind of, we treated it like a job, but like we said, right, we're going to write now from the hours of three to five or whatever. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose we did lay the groundwork back back during COVID, like just keeping up with the social media. That all helped. Um, like, I suppose you wouldn't think of it, but yeah, we definitely wouldn't be doing as well right now if we hadn't recorded all those kind of covers back then and, you know, kept the social media going during COVID. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. 
do you think that's um, an aspect of, of sort of music that you don't really, I guess, learn about, like you, you guys are talking about learning music in, in secondary, like where, you know, it's, it's more than just kind of being a musician nowadays. I mean, everyone's kind of a social media manager. Everyone's doing like, you know, PR and stuff like that. Do you feel, um, find that that's something that um, you guys had any particular interest in or is it just something that like everyone else you have to kind of, uh, it's just part of the job now? It's a good question. Yeah. I think it's just part of the job, you know. Um, yeah. Definitely something, not something we thought we'd have to, like, really focus on too much when we're, like, starting out. But it is such a huge part, you know. Like, if, you, if you're not a social media, like, if you're not managing your social media, right, like, you're not really going to get anywhere, you know. Yeah. It's just so, it's so influential now at this, this stage. Even, but, uh, uh, sorry. No, go on, even even the side of PR, like when we so we took the year out of college uh, last year, and we moved in together briefly. And like every morning, we would wake up and we would put an hour or two aside just to fucking answer emails, yeah. Um, get our like try and text other bands for support slots, like that kind of administration stuff. Oh my god, we must have sent. I couldn't tell you how many emails we sent. Like between every song we released, yeah. you know, we're put, we're putting out our own press release, like that kind of thing. And yeah. I don't know. It is interesting to see it, but I, I, I feel like, you know, the music was nearly the thing that came naturally to us, like writing the songs and, and, and arranging them and recording them in the studio. But mm-hmm. then when it came to this whole other side of it, like that was that was really where the work was done, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hard work anyway. When, yeah. um, sorry, when I think about your music, I, I think it has a very kind of um, sort of sunny kind of vibrancy, but with a kind of um underlying kind of melancholy to it too i, I don't know if you think that's a fair assessment but i was wondering do you do you think that's like um an agreed upon sound um at from the get-go or is that just something that kind of developed when you guys were kind of um working as a unit yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I think so, it's, it's not something we thought too much about it like um we just we kind of realized that last day um we don't have any happy songs and that wasn't um, <laughs> lyrically, by like, yeah. lyrically. Yeah, lyrically yeah. it wasn't by design anyways um we just we all kind of just the songs we write are all quite melancholic like they're just yeah there's nothing too happy about them but um yeah i feel like that yeah it wasn't really we didn't really decide oh here we'll, we'll, we'll write songs about this whatever it's just kind of what we naturally kind of wrote about yeah so, and we're it in is, a session it's so interesting how, because like, I think we, in our music, it's a bit of a pessimistic worldview, like, or whatever, but uh, naturally the, the, the riffs and, and like the, the actual music of it was all kind of earwormy and catchy. And, you know, it's just funny, like even our first single, 1800 Hours, like, which is by, by far and away our most popular song, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's quite upbeat. It's got a catchy synth line to it and everything, but Jesus, it's, it's not a very happy song at all. Like it's about <laughs> a lad ruining his life really. And yeah, yeah. It, it's so funny that you picked up on that. Cause we only kind of picked up on it recently. Like Shane said, when we were like, right, we were, we were planning for a headline gig and we said, right, we'll do a, we'll do a kind of a love song now in the middle to get people dancing or whatever. And we were like, we, we don't have a single song <laughs> that is positive like that in any way. Yeah. And it just happened naturally, and it's so interesting to look back on it now. Yeah. Um, it and then, yeah. Sorry? It probably says a lot about us. Yes, then speaking of yeah, your new single then, so yeah, I mean, when, when I 
um, how do you feel like I guess your music then has like kind of um, I guess sort of differed or or how do you feel like your your music is now evolving because you were talking about like releasing EPs and stuff and like um, I was wondering gearing up towards a new EP or even a full length album or or is at the moment the idea just singles. I don't know. I think it's something we always ask ourselves and we never really land on what the right answer. You get so much different uh, advice from different people in the industry saying, oh, singles are the way to go or EPs or albums like, but yeah, we've done two EPs so far and we've got about five or six singles then. Um, I mean, we definitely have enough music for two two albums nearly, you know, but it's just, yeah, it's so hard to navigate the industry and what the right decision is because at the end of the day, we want our music to be heard Mm-hmm. So whichever the best way to do, you know, whatever the best way to get as many streams, I suppose, or get as much exposure is probably how we're going to keep going until we can build a bit of a fan base. But yeah, it's a yeah. tough one. A, we don't really know the, the answer ourselves. Okay. <laughs> um, and then recently you guys were playing a bunch of festivals, uh, Independence, uh, Sea Sessions, Riverfest. Um, I was wondering, like, because you were talking about the kind of social media aspect. I mean, how much do you think, um, like, you know, social media is obviously a good way of, of, of building a platform and, and, and getting recognition, but how much um, do you think playing live actually kind of compares, I guess, in terms of like building up a fan base? How do you feel that uh, playing live and, and, and actually getting in front of people in that way compares to actually, you know, doing social media? I think um, the playing live, it's, it's, it's definitely, we found it's definitely necessary anyways because people need to hear watch your song sound like live um in terms of like building a fan base though it's it, it definitely helps but i don't think like i feel like what we found in news is it hasn't been the main push like it hasn't been how we've gotten our mm-hmm. like the fan base that we have i think that's like we've nearly gotten most of it over spotify and streams and stuff like that rather than yeah. on like playing live i think the playing live is it's literally just for the people who have kind of listen to our music already like have kind of found us already do you know what I mean yeah um then again I do think that just getting getting those kind of festival slots and playing them like we we love it we absolutely love playing live so that's an uh, an advantage in and of itself but even just generate like we might not see the followers come from a from a 30 minute slot at C sessions mm-hmm. but like it's always generating that hype you know like getting you're getting your word out there like the word of mouth thing is crucial so we might play Riverfest there yesterday. Like we got maybe four or five followers off it. Like, but I suppose the main goal isn't to translate them into into followers on your Instagram. It's just spreading the word, getting yeah. the rose caps out there as like the next band to go see if you miss them or whatever. And like you never know who could be in the audience. Like we've been, you know, we we've heard there might be some important people at these kind of festivals. So we're like, well, let's just put on the best show we can and just, you know, we'll hope for the best. How do you cater um, the festival slot compared to like a headline slot? I mean, I, I guess with a headline slot, you'd have more, I, I guess, time. But in general, just like the audience, like at a headline slot, are there to see you? You know, where yeah, the festival think, slot is like, yeah. you're just going back question. in many. That's a very good question. Yeah, definitely, definitely is different. Yeah, so how do you feel that you kind of differ the, um, the set, I guess, based on that? I feel like... Um, one thing we've we've realized recently is that we we have to play as if it's a headline or whatever you know like we really have to give it just as much socks as 
it, as if everyone knew the lyrics, you know. And I suppose when we're when we're playing in festivals and people don't know the songs as well, we try and emphasize the kind of catchy words. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I maybe slow it down and emphasize where they can sing along and you know clap along or wherever. Um, but yeah, which I suppose we just try and keep, we do try and keep the same energy though, as if everyone did know the songs. And yeah, and one thing, one thing that's very interesting is the like the arrangement of the songs and track list of the of the set list will definitely be different because when we have a half an hour support slot or half an hour set at these sessions, it's like we've kind of found what we just want to bring the energy. So like at a in our headline, we kind of slowed it down for a while. We did a few of our slow songs. They went down really, really well actually, but we didn't even consider doing them for the these shorter sets because it's just about bringing the energy like yeah. leaving everything out on the stage for people to enjoy and Emmett's absolutely right we've, we're only starting to recently develop our stage presence and stuff but I don't know one one band that we've seen play at sea sessions was Thumper mm-hmm. and I think we learned I think we learned a lot from them because you know they didn't have the biggest crowd they've played to much bigger crowds but they went out there and they played that gig like it was you know Malahide Castle they absolutely went you know they went bananas like when that's their thing yeah. but we we were like right we need to bring that now no matter what even if people don't know the songs and we know they don't know the songs we're just going to play them as if they know every word and as if they're here to see us and it made a yeah. big difference i think that's sick yeah and also one thing i was just wondering as well is like um so when you guys are, are are doing shows you kind of um i guess fish for the next single do you kind of look at the audience reception and go oh shit that's the one we should release or uh, do you do you listen to immediate feedback like that or do you just kind of go now we have our own kind of trajectory in our mind we're kind of going to focus on that um i think because we have a few like obviously core like people that we like we listen to and they'll go to a few of our shows and say what they think like but um we definitely would be noticing like if, if we're playing a song and everybody's singing along even if they it's not out on spotify it's a good sign you know so mm-hmm. it's probably like we'd be leaning more towards that sort of those yeah. like tattoo songs like if, if people are picking up on them that fast it's a good thing, you know. Um, but as like from the songs that we've released, we have actually just kind of gone with whatever we were thinking. Like, I don't think the live perform live shows has influenced it massively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's always something in the background, like it's a factor. But I don't think we've ever played a song and then be like, oh, suddenly our mind was changed by the audience. Said, oh, that's one we have to do. Um, yeah. Now maybe because we haven't got. A huge massive moment of magic like that just yet but uh yeah it's something to consider but yeah as shane said all the songs we put out so far have kind of been the ones we wanted to put out ourselves personally yeah i think as well now uh, we're probably a little more conscious of the timing of the songs like um because we're releasing them as singles now we like on our ep a lot of most of the songs were around four minutes so i think for uh, just for radio play even think we're a little bit more conscious that the single needs to be a little bit shorter than you know a song you throw in an ep yeah um yeah and um, so that's everything i had to ask is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up or um not that i could think of really no i think i think it's all good you you um have you worked with case um or jaw dropper before yeah, um, I, f- I forget which ones because I, I, I have a bunch on like the back corner, but yeah, I have worked with Jaw Trap before. Um, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. 
Thanks very much for your time, guys. Appreciate it. Ah, no bother. Mm, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Thanks a million. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to that episode of postbornout.com interviews. We hope you enjoyed and stay tuned for more.